Okay, people of hope, how are you? Nice to see you. Does anybody have anything good happening in your life? Yeah, so if we haven't met before, my name is Scott, one of the pastors here, and we are thrilled that you are here. A few things, I'll just, um, just put my two cents in on. These cards are on your seat. We have a special weekend coming up on the 14th and 15th of September. We are going to have a herd of wild beasts. We're going to have Lion King theme. It won't be able to be streamed because we're doing some clips out of the movie. It's a, it's a special weekend of invitation. So please take these cards. It's going to be a life-changing weekend. And then uh, we have coming up, just to remind you, a sweet Darla, Joy, and I are going to Israel in February. And uh, we have a few spots that are still open if you want to be part of that incredible trip. February 2020, it'll be life-changing. We are today continuing our series on the best summer, knowing that you can have the best summer if you are passionate about the best stuff. If you are full of the right stuff, then you will live a fulfilled life. If you are filled with the one who gives life, I absolutely guarantee you, you will have a fulfilling life. And so during this series, we've talked about having passion for things that fulfill. There's a lot in life that doesn't fulfill. A lot in life is like Chinese food. You can eat it, but it doesn't fulfill. Uh, um, well, we talk about things that do fulfill, a passion for God's presence. Not just academically knowing God is everywhere, but asking and seeing the manifestation of his presence. We talked last week about a life that is centered around a passion for the cross and what living the cross as a lifestyle means. And today, we're talking about a passion for forgiveness. If you can get the forgiveness issue right, every relationship in your life will be better. Every relationship in your life needs forgiveness. You know why? Because all of the other people on the planet are imperfect. <laughs> and because of that, if you're going to have a relationship with them, you've got to learn to forgive them. In fact, let's just do an honesty survey uh, today. Uh, how many would just be forthright and honest and just put your hand in the air with me and say, I'm not perfect. Okay, very good. Most, most of us, almost 100%. For the person that didn't put their hand in the air, they need special prayer because they're not perfect and they're lying about it, which would really be bad. Uh, forgiveness is what the whole Bible is about. It's about relationship. It's about having a relationship with our Creator, our Heavenly Father. It's about developing a relationship with His people. Jesus summed up all the Bible, saying it's about loving God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. It's about loving your neighbor or the people as you love yourself. It's about relationships. And because of people's imperfections, if you are not forgiving Literally, it will drive you crazy. I don't know if you've heard of the name Carl Menninger. He is a world-renowned psychiatrist. The Menninger Clinic has treated hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people trying to help them to get a 
proper way of thinking, a proper psychology. Here is his insight after treating hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people as a psychiatrist, overseeing the clinic, he says this. If the people we treat could learn how to forgive themselves and forgive the people around them, 75% of the people we care for would be healed in one day because of the power of forgiveness. We're going to look into the 18th chapter of the book of Matthew in the scriptures. The 18th chapter, if you have your Bible, you can open up that chapter, which is basically a chapter about relationships. The chapter opens with a scene of broken relationships because the disciples, the followers of Jesus, the future apostles, they're fighting with each other. And they're fighting over the issue of, I'm better than you are. Who will be greatest in the kingdom of God? I'm going to be greater than you. I'm going to have a corner office in the kingdom of God. No, well, that's fine. I'm going to be four floors above you in the kingdom of God. No, who's going to be the greatest? I'm better than you are. Jesus steps into the scene and says, no, I'm going to teach you about relationships. I'm going to teach you to have good relationships, guys. You've got to become childlike. You've got to have a humility. And to learn the path of forgiveness, you've got to give up pride. Do you know what's keeping you from being forgiving? You're such smart people. Let me tell you this. Forgiveness paves the road for love. You may be driving on a dirt road of love today. But we'd like to pave it like the roads they're doing around here. They're making them better. I promise you that they're going to get better. Hang in there. Did you see this? Did you see this? They put right at the entry of the church the outhouse. I hate that I will pay some teenagers to move it in the middle of the night. (laughs) You know what I need? I need forgiveness. Jesus, while the guys are fighting with her, takes a child, puts the child in the middle of the circle and says, I want to teach you. You've got to learn to be childlike. That will help your relationship. Have you noticed that children play together naturally? You see, just throw them in the room. My little granddaughter, two years old, last night in church, walked up to a girl she didn't know, put her hand on her chest and said, my name is Ellie Grace. What's your name? Now, children can also can fight pretty quickly. They, right? How many of you have children? That in the, but their fights are short because they forgive easily. They can be at it, cats and dogs, one minute. But five minutes later, they love each other. Be childlike. Be humble because when you're humble, you won't cause people to stumble. That's the next thing he talks about that you have a responsibility as you play together as the children of God to not trip up other kids. In fact, Jesus uses very serious language to say this relationship is important because if you trip up another kid, if you cause one of his kids to stumble, listen to the language, it's better if they tied a rock around your neck, a heavy, huge rock, and dropped it into the ocean. How many know Jesus is serious about that? So just play nice. 
don't cause kids to stumble. And if you do, go after them. You have a responsibility. He says it like this. If there's a hundred sheep and one of them wanders off, don't let it go. Now watch this. How many of you have had someone in your life that you used to be in good relationship with now and now they have wandered off? You're looking at me like you don't know what I'm talking about. I'll ask it again. Okay, let's say it like this. You have a friend that you know that used to have a friend that wandered off. And here's what we do. Here's what we do. We go, well, I've got 99 other friends. I'm doing okay. And the one that wandered off, I don't like him that much anyway. So I'm just going to let him go. The problem is that the person you don't like, God loves. I'll say it like this. God loves the people you don't like. So if there's a hundred of them and just one. Now you can't, you can go after the one. I'm just going to tell you to be realistic. You can go after that one. You may not win them because it takes two people to have a relationship and only one to break a relationship. But it's your responsibility, he teaches, to go after that one. Do not let them go easily. In fact, he Philip follows up with this and says, if someone has offended you, guess whose responsibility it is to try to make it right? It's, it's, thank you, some of you are getting, it's mine. He says, you go, someone, someone offends you, someone sins against you, you go and talk to them. That's your responsibility. One person wanders off, you go after them. Don't cause them to stumble. Be humble. And after Peter has listened to all of this, he goes, man, having relationships is hard work. Have you noticed that? That every relationship, if you're going to have relationships, it's going to take a lot of forgiveness. Not just a little dabble, do you? A lot of forgiveness. And Peter's going, okay, I'm gonna, well, I gotta, I've got to up my forgiveness game. And that's what you, as you listen to this, you've got to be humble. You can't cause people to stumble. If they stumble, you've got to go after them. It's your responsibility. If you can't win them yourself, take a couple other people, try to win them. And Peter's going, man, I've got to be more forgiving. So he takes the teaching of his day, and the rabbis taught that you should forgive a person three times. It was the three times in your out rule. That's where we got it in baseball from those rabbis. It was a three strikes and you're out rule. And so Peter goes, okay, I, listen, to make all this relationship stuff work that's in the first part of the chapter, I have got to be more forgiving. He knows it. I've got to forgive people more often. So I'm going to forgive them twice as much as normal and add one for good measure. And he, he comes up with the number seven. He just, man, he thinks he is, he thinks he is, he thinks he's got it, this relationship stuff. And he just has to understand this. That when you choose to become a forgiving person, you've got to learn to forgive until you've completely forgiven. Watch this. Because he says to Jesus, okay, Jesus, after hearing all this relational teaching, I've got to be more forgiving. What I would like to do is forgive seven times. And Jesus says, no, you don't quite have it. Seven times 70, or some version, 70 times 77. Anyway, it's a lot of times. 490 times. 
And that's because the number seven is very important for those of you that study the Bible. The number seven is the number of completion. It means to completely be done. When the world was created, seven days to complete the work of creation. When God's people walked around the city of Jericho, seven times on the seventh day to completely win victory. When the prophet Elisha said to the man who was having leprosy, you need to go to the Jordan and dip seven times to be completely healed. The Bible calls the Spirit of God the sevenfold Spirit of God because His Spirit is a complete, and here's the teaching, that when you forgive, you've got to forgive until it's completed. And how many times does that take? A lot. So, so you can have it, and I, you can hear a message on forgiveness. You can, you can pray and say, oh, God, help me to forgive this person that offended me and injured me. And you can really feel good when you're praying. And then a few days later, you meet them, or you hear their name, or you hear their voice. And when you hear their voice or someone talks about them, you get this knot in the pit of your stomach. Why? Because you have to forgive until it's completed. How many times does that take? I don't know, but a lot. More than once, I will tell you, forgiveness is a decision. It's a commitment, but it's also a journey. Do you understand that? Because some of you have felt, well, I tried to forgive and it didn't work, so I've given up on it. Don't do that. Listen to this teaching. Forgive until you're completely done with it, which is many, 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 many times. Is there anyone here that has forgiven a person 490 times for one offense? Okay, good. It's somewhere in there. Sometimes over 100 times. That you pray until, and here's how you know you're completely, when you can think about them, when you can hear their voice, when you can meet them, and there's no knot in the pit of your stomach. You have shalom in your home. Peace in your soul. That's when you're complete, and that's a, long, that's a journey. So that's the first thing he teaches. And then Peter's like still shaking his head, and so he's, okay, I'm going to teach this abstract thought of forgiveness, and I'm going to make it easy for everyone to understand. And what, what Jesus does, watch this, he monetizes forgiveness. How many of you understand uh, credit cards, mortgages, owing money on your car? Do you understand debt at all? Because here's just how Jesus, Jesus knows you all work with money. And you all know, okay, I know what debt is. Okay, how many of you not only have owed a debt, how many of you have been owed money? Have you ever been owed money and they didn't pay on time? Or just stopped paying? That feeling, that's Jesus taking the abstract theory of forgiveness and teaching. So he tells a story. He says there was a king and, and a man that owed them, the king a lot of money. The word uses... 10,000 talents, and there's been a lot of theory on what that is in modern terms. Some people, 10 million, some people, 20 million. 
I read a business professor from Cromwell University who said, no, no, when you take it and put it into the work days of that day, it's in the trillions of dollars. In any case, it was a lot. Jesus told the story to exaggerate it to such a point that everyone listening to the story would say, nobody can ever repay that number. That was the point. It's too big to be forgiven. It would be, uh, right now, do you know what the American national debt is right now? Do you know what it is right now? It's, 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 it's $22 trillion. You should know it because you all have a piece of it. But it would be like telling this story like this. There was a man, not a, not a country, not a country. There was a man or there was a woman that owed $22 trillion. And you would go, nobody can ever repay that amount. And Jesus, yeah. Because forgiveness is like debt. Forgiveness has three stages. It has stage one, which is the initial injury or offense. Somebody does something, somebody says something, somebody takes an action. Sometimes not even to you. Sometimes you take up somebody else's offense. You take somebody else, it's, it's called hearsay debt. It's not even your debt, you're taking other people's debt as if yours is not enough. I'd be like, hey, I'd like to take your mortgage on too, please. Because mine is just not quite enough. That's exactly what it's like, and that foolish. So there's the initial injury or, or offense which creates the feeling, and it's a feeling of debt. You owe me. We use words like that, you owe me, right? You owe me. Or revenge is trying to balance the scales. It's I, I want, I need payback. What's the These are the languages we use because forgiveness has to do with debt. And Jesus is saying there was a man who owed a debt that was so big it could never be repaid because he's trying to teach us all of us owe a debt that we can never repay. It's the debt of eternal life. We have nothing in our reservoir materially, spiritually, intellectually, emotionally to pay for eternal life. We have life, but we don't have eternal life. And we owe a debt. And he says, I've got you covered. I'm going to pay that debt. So it doesn't matter how much you think you're separated, how, much, how far you think you are from God. In one moment, he can forgive that debt. And he teaches us this in the Lord's Prayer. How does the prayer go? Forgive us our debts. Because there's a debt equation. Jesus takes this philosophic forgiveness issue and monetizes it so we can understand. I know what debt is. And that's the feeling of forgiveness. Forgive us our debts as we forgive those who are our debtors. So there are debts that are owed. So you've got, you've got a ledger somewhere in your life. You may not see it, it's probably not written anywhere, but it's a ledger. And you've got little offenses, little things, they're in the back of the book. Okay, you owe me, because you gossiped about me one time, and I remember that. And then the big ones, the big ones, you ripped me off in business. I lost a lot of money. You owe me. You have a ledger, and it's debt. And uh, some of you have some big debts. But as we go through the teaching, we find this out. To receive or to give forgiveness, get this point, the person that needs to be forgiven doesn't necessarily have to ask for it. I know that you are waiting probably for them to do that. 
And uh, if they would do it, then maybe you would possibly grant forgiveness. But you, in, your, in your ledger, you go, if they would approach me and ask for forgiveness, maybe we could make it right. But I want you to notice the story. When the man who owed the uh, trillions of dollars or millions, just the unbelievable amount, when he came to the Lord and he fell at his knees and he begged patiently, he begged the king, please give me time to pay back everything. Notice this. Did the man ask to be forgiven? Get that. This is very important. Did the man who owed so much ask to be forgiven? Try again. It's not that hard. It's right. I'll read it. Okay. Let's see if you can see it. Be patient with me. And I will pay back everything. Did he ask to be forgiven? No, he didn't. But the king, get this, but the king was gracious. Even though he wasn't asked, the king canceled the debt and set him free. God is more willing to forgive you than you are even ready to ask. Do you remember, remember the thief that hung beside Jesus on the cross? And he talks to Jesus and he, and he prays this prayer that says, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Can you hear in that language any prayer for forgiveness? No. Was he forgiven? Yes, he was. He was forgiven. Jesus said, you're in. You're in the family of God. Your debt is being taken care of. God is more willing to forgive you of this huge debt of eternal life than you are willing to even ask for it. And all he takes is a little glimmer, a little, little moment of faith, a little, a little capturing of his attention. He says, okay, you're forgiven. And you're forgiven a lot. Now, are you willing to turn that forgiveness towards others because Jesus, as he teaches, teaches that forgiven people need to be forgiving because the story goes on. This man that had this huge debt that was forgiven now goes out and he finds a friend who owes him, uh, the story says, a hundred drachna. That's a few weeks of work. A few, it's, a, it's a repayable debt, easily repayable debt. And he finds a friend who owes him, this version says, a couple of hundred silver coins. It's a couple of weeks of work. And he grabs him by the throat. And the man asks for forgiveness. And he chooses to be unforgiving. What Jesus is trying to say is, hey, you've been forgiven a debt by God that is bigger than anything you could ever repay. When Christ went to the cross and gave his eternal life so you could have eternal life, you got the better end of the deal. You inherited a debt that was forgiven, that was massive, that you could never, ever repay. So why in the world, why in the world are you being unforgiving with small issues? Let me tell you, everything that is on your ledger is a small issue. That's the point of the story. I know you're going, no, no, mine's big. No, you don't know my story. You don't know what they said. You don't know what they did. Mine, mine is huge. It, some of you, it involved life and death. And I've heard stories this weekend about life and death issues. It was a major, major thing. 
But Jesus tells the story like this to cause us to understand we have been forgiven so much, and because we have been forgiven, we need to become forgiving people. Jesus says it like this, put up with one another. I love that. Let's just pause on that one think for that for a moment. <laughs> put up with one another. Help me. Could you help me? Could you help me? Just preach to your neighbor. Just come on, pre preach to your neighbor a little bit. Just, just give them a little encouragement. Put up with one another. Just tell them, put up with one another. Okay. And here's how we do it. Here's how we put up with one another. Here's what makes relationships work. Here's what makes putting up with each other. Here's what makes it work. Forgive one another. And if you're holding something against someone, that's pretty vague and inclusive. If you are holding something against someone. I don't know what, you fill in the blank. And put your ledger there. Whatever it happens to be, forgive them. And how should we forgive? Let's read these words out loud. Just as the Lord forgave you. One more time, good strong voice, please. Just as the Lord forgave you. Forgiven people need to be forgiving that's what Jesus is teaching through this story of forgiveness. Because when you forgive, it sets you free. Here's how the story goes. That man in the story that was owed so much money that couldn't repay it, who was forgiven, went out and grabbed his friend by the throat and wouldn't be forgiving, so he ended up in the story, he ended up where? He ended up in Oh, thank you very much. Thank you, thank you, thank you. The, the tension was killing me. Get this. This is so important. When you choose to be unforgiving because you think your ledger is justified, your debt is justified, you put yourself in prison. And here's what happens. When you are in prison, God is calling you to a destiny and a purpose, and you can't get there because you're locked up. Forgiveness is the key that God gives you. He says, I'm going to give you a key to your prison. Here it is. I'm going to give it to you. You reach out through the bars. You stick it into the lock. You turn the lock. You forgive, and you set yourselves free. As the Bible says, the truth will set you free. Well, here's a truth that will set you free. Forgiveness sets you free from the prison of your own creation. Yeah, let's affirm that. Yeah, let's affirm that. It's very good. Thank you for getting that. It's very, it's just a, it's, because that's the story. This man who was forgiven so much chose to be unforgiving. He ended up in prison. And the story is, well, that's what happens to you. That's what goes on with you. In fact, Jesus teaches us all that when we stand and we are praying, if, well, sorry, I'll just get the right thing. If you hold, watch these words. Pretty inclusive, right? If you hold, everybody? And that includes whatever's on your ledger. Whatever's on your ledger, if you hold anything against. Isn't that inclusive? Let's all do that together. If you hold against. 
And I don't know whose name is on your ledger, but their name would probably fit under anyone. And I don't know how big the offense is, it probably fits under anything. If you hold anything against anyone, choose to forgive them because it brings the relationship with your heavenly Father back into divine order, and your Father will forgive you. It brings that relationship with God stronger, and as your relationship with God gets stronger, your relationship with others gets stronger. Forgiveness paves the road to enriched, loving relationships. It's the pavement. Unforgiveness is the pothole and the prison. And there are big issues. The evil in the heart of men and women causes us to distrust, to hate. We use a lot of words instead of hate, but it's basically hate, resentment, bitterness, anger. We don't get along, but it's basically hatred. And it manifests in ugly ways, racism. I don't know if you follow the story of South Africa and the whole governmental system of apartheid, which was systematized, government-sanctioned sanctioned racism. And there was a young lady uh, from California, Amy Beale, smart, blonde hair, blue-eyed, valedictorian, Stanford grad, who went to South Africa to help dismantle apartheid. That was her goal, young lady. In 1993, she was working in the neighborhoods. She was in the middle of a riot that erupted. And because her skin was white, they stoned her and stabbed her to death. Now, out of that, her dad, Peter, and her mother, Linda, have formed a foundation, the Amy Beale Foundation, to help the neighborhood that murdered their, their daughter. People went to jail because of the murder. Um, there was a young man named Easy and another man named Penny. And as apartheid was dismantled, the country was a wreck, and they established the uh, Truth and Reconciliation Commission. It was to look at cases and try to help bring healing to a broken country. Easy and Penny applied for amnesty because it was a race riot. They were caught up in the moment, and they had killed Amy and Guess who supported their petition for release? Peter and Linda helped petition for freedom of the two men that were involved in the murder of their daughter. The uh, Washington Post, uh, and these quotes come from the Washington Post, Penne, who's one of the men, says, we now call them. See, when they got out, that wasn't the end. When they got out, they took them for dinner. They got to know them. They went to the movies together. They worked at becoming the friends of the men who had killed their daughter. Unbelievable. Here's what Penne says 
we now call them mother and father. I don't know how they found it in their hearts to forgive us, but I can tell you it has greatly enriched my life. I will never forget what we did on that night, but I will also never forget the kindness they have shown me when they had every reason to hate me. The Beals are often asked, how have you found the strength to forgive such a horrendous act? And here is a quote from Peter, the dad. We have seen that hate and to want revenge and to be angry consumes a tremendous amount of energy and it's all negative. It consumes so much time and it's all non-productive. It's completely selfish. He goes on to say, as Christians, we taught high school, Sunday school, and we would be heretics. Strong language. We would be heretics if we now did anything other than forgive. It is finally completely liberating. See, get it? It's, co- it's completely liberating. We can forgive and move forward. We are at peace with ourselves. That's complete forgiveness. When you come to the shalom in your home, you come to the moment of peace. That's unbelievable. Only, I believe, God can give the grace to do that. As Christians, he says. Because they understand that they have been forgiven much. And because they've been forgiven much, they have found the grace to not only forgive those, but to actually bring them into their circle of friendship and family and to love them. Wow, when they said to do anything else would be a heretic. Those are strong words. Those are challenging words. So my prayer would be that all of us, no matter what we have done or what we've experienced would first of all understand the incredible grace God gives to us that we owe a debt an eternal we can never gain eternal life we can't earn eternal life God gives it to us freely at the moment we ask for it he says it like this he says if anybody uh, will confess your sins if you say Lord I want forgiveness I'm confessing then God will be faithful and just to forgive you of all of your sins and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness that's good news I'd like everybody to experience that and understand that because when you understand that then you find the power when you understand how much he's forgiven you then you go oh you know what everything I have on my ledger it's uh It's kind of small. And even if it's big, this is big stuff here. Even if it's big, God gives the grace to reconcile. To reconcile the debt. It's much better to reconcile debt than to manage a debt. (laughs) Those of you that have debt should know that. When you reconcile it, it's paid off. It's done with. It's reconciled. It's reconciled. We have way too much in our culture and society, anger management when we should have anger reconciliation. We're trying to manage our anger. When God's saying, no, no, I'd like you to resolve your anger. I'd like you to learn 
that by God's grace, you've been forgiven much and you can forgive much. So in a moment, we're going to pray that prayer. And then I'd love you to come, if you're able to, when we go to celebrate today in baptism, these very truths we're talking about. You can open your heart in the next few moments. You can receive forgiveness. You can come down. You can be baptized today. This would be a great day to be baptized. And I don't know if you've ever seen us baptized, but when we baptize, we put people right under the water. We soak them. Greek word is baptizo. We soak them. Why? Because we are testifying that God has washed away all of our sins. Past, present, future, they are all gone. We can't earn it. We can't deserve it. But God washes them away. We are plunging our old lives into the sea of God's love and mercy and forgiveness and grace. And then we don't leave them under the water. We bring them back up. Because it's a new life. It's a life that is able to find somewhere the grace to forgive when it seems impossible. It's a life that enriches all of our relationships with our Creator, all the relationship we have with each other, because that's what life is about. It's about relationship. So as we just come to this moment of prayer, I'm going to ask you to stand with me to close your eyes in prayer. And as you close your eyes in prayer, to open your heart. I'm going to ask our prayer team to come to the altar to stand here with me, and I'm going to invite you. I'm going to invite you to open your heart, your life, your soul to Jesus Christ. I promise you that Jesus is in this room right now, and I know that he is knocking at the door of your heart. And if you'll open your life, if you'll open the door, it's your job, open the door, he's going to come in. He's going to reconcile the forgiveness issues of your life. It doesn't matter where you've been. It doesn't matter what you've done. He's going to reconcile. He's going to forgive you. And then he's going to give you a new grace. So as we pray this prayer in a moment, we're not just receiving grace from God. We're thinking about the grace we can give to others. You, I, you say, well, I prayed that prayer before. Well, maybe that was number 52. Today, maybe number 53. And when you'll be done, you'll be done when the matter is peace. When you have peace in your heart, that's when you're done with it. For some of you, this could be the day, it's the last time. The last time you ask, because today you're done with it. Glory to God, you're done with it. It's done with I'm at peace with it. The prison door is open, and I can now move to the new place that God is calling me. I can pursue my destiny because I'm not staying in prison any longer. I'm coming out. So here's our prayer, and I'm going to invite you to pray with all of the people around you. I always pray for 100% of the people to open their hearts to the power of Jesus Christ. And God loves to hear your voice. We're going to pray out loud. Good, strong voice, good, strong prayer. It's a prayer of forgiveness and grace and love for God to fill our hearts with his forgiveness and his presence and his power, that Jesus Christ would be our Savior and our Lord. Lift your voice with all the people around you. Let's pray this together. Dear Heavenly Father, I come to you in Jesus' name. I open my heart, my soul, my life to Jesus Christ. Come into my life to be my Savior and to be my Lord. I repent of my sins. I lay them down. I leave them behind. 
And I turn towards you, Lord, to receive your forgiveness, your love, your mercy, your grace. Thank you for forgiving me. Now help me to forgive others. Fill me with your spirit. Fill me with your love. Fill me with your forgiveness. In Jesus' name, hallelujah, 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 amen. That's a prayer of grace and mercy and forgiveness. We can affirm that. Now listen, these next few moments are the most important moments of our gathering. They're moments of prayer. If you're coming into right relationship with God, come and tell one of our prayer partners, say, I prayed with Scott, or you're coming back into right relationship with God through Jesus Christ. If you need to get baptized, tell them, hey, I need to get baptized. We'll hook you up for baptism today, 4 o'clock, Lido Beach, Gulf of Mexico. Be there. It's, 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 we, have, we have people, just come with us, because there's people on the beach that need Jesus. And God could use you to turn someone's heart on the beach. They could, they could, we have people in our church today because we go to the beach. And they're here because they met us on the beach and we baptized them later on. Some of them got baptized that day, but it's, it, don't miss it. Just yeah, Whatever you're doing at 4 o'clock, stop it. Come here. Anyway, I, I want to just invite you to come to pray for, they're also here, the prayer team, to pray for whatever need you have spiritually, physical, spiritual, emotional. We believe in a God who hears and answers prayer, and these prayers are important. If you've been a guest here today, thank you so much for coming. We love you and want to get to know you and believe God has his hand on your life. And you've taken a step towards God just being here today. And we believe God has awesome things in your future. We want to be part of that and celebrate that with you. And if you're new to Hope and you've never stopped by the VIP room, today's your day. You are a VIP. We just want you to realize that you are a VIP. And we like to gift you. Nothing weird happens in there. We want to just answer any questions you have, and it's over there. It's VIP. You can't miss it. I'm going to pray a prayer, and it's going to bless you, just a prayer of blessing. And after that, the worship team is just going to begin to lead in worship. People are going to come and receive prayer. The gifts of the Holy Spirit are going to flow. God's going to do amazing things. If you'd like to receive communion, you don't have to be a member of this church to receive prayer or communion, but there's a communion table at the left-hand side and the right-hand side. All we ask is when you come to the communion, you're thinking about Jesus. Jesus says, remember me. Remember that he died on the cross to absorb all of your sin, all of your shame. He died and he didn't stay dead. He rose from the dead and he's here right now and celebrate his presence and his power as you receive communion. So I want to bless you guys. I love you. And I pray that the Lord will uh, just cause our lives and our relationships to be better. And because we have relationships with all these imperfect people, and we're imperfect ourselves, we need a lot of forgiveness to flow. Lord, I just pray that prison doors would open up and there would be a newness of life and a refreshing and a freedom. I pray that the God of hope would fill you with joy, greater joy than you've ever had before, greater peace than you've ever had before, as you trust in God like never before so that you will overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. I bless you in the strong and the mighty and the majestic name of Jesus Christ. And in Jesus' name, you are a very blessed people. And all of God's kids say together, amen. Hallelujah. Let's bless the Lord. Thank you. We love you guys so much. Thank you for being here. Come forward. 
for prayer. Come forward for communion worship team. Just lead us in worship. And God bless you. We'll see you this afternoon, 4 o'clock, Lido Key.